Hey, Sanctus Church, great to have you here again today. We're gonna pause our spiritual practices series and we're gonna address head on what has been taking place not only in the United States, in Canada, but now globally. And I've asked two very good friends of mine to uh, join me to begin this conversation. Uh, this is Cheryl Nemhart, uh, playwright, social advocate, and speaker, preacher, co-host of See, Here Love on Yes TV. And I didn't know this till this week when we were talking, CBC Canada recognized you as one of the 150 uh, most significant black women making Canada a better place. Wow. And, uh, and also, Sanctus Church is your... Home. Yes, this is your church. Uh, this is Chris Chase. He asked me to introduce him as the best looking man of 2014. Uh, so I was like, wow, okay. I'm not even sure. Uh, we've been friends for years. Yeah. You've been connected to Sanctus. You are a, a Pentecost Assemblies of Canada pastor. You've been a communica communicator for 20 years, co-host of the House of Common Show, and uh, hung out with us many times in this church. Yeah. Very, very thankful that you're both here I just want to set the table in a biblical manner today so we can talk about what's next, what's going to matter tomorrow, and what's going to matter in a year from now and maybe a decade from now and beyond. Um, so as we get going, uh, just gonna take a moment to pray and then with the whole church, uh, turn to scripture and then have a really uh, good, intense, honest dialogue and see what comes next. So um, thanks, uh, God, that you're with us. Thanks for this profound moment. Even thank you for what's happening, happening globally in this moment. So uh, great change can take place. Our, our, our simple prayer, uh, Father and Son, Son, the Holy Spirit, lead us to all truth. And uh, may the kingdom of God come on earth as it already is upstairs in heaven. Uh, and we pray this all together in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. amen. Uh, 26 verses into the Bible. Uh, God decides in the sixth day to make us as humans and declares that we're made in the image of God, which sets us apart from all of creation. Very simply, human beings have dignity and value because we're actually made in the image of our creator. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. About six weeks ago, um, in pre preparation for a different sermon, I found this profoundly insightful thought from the chief rabbi actually of England. His name is uh, uh, Jonathan Sachs. And he says, as I study Genesis, I've discovered four ways human beings have avoided responsibility. Uh, Adam said, it's not my fault, it's her fault. <laughs> uh, Cain said, I don't see why I should not do what I, don't, uh, what I want to do, not what I ought to do. Noah said, I'm responsible for myself and no one else. And as human beings, we at Babel said, we're answerable to no one but ourselves. And I was like, hmm. that's, that's incredible. That's four simple summaries of sin, original sin and ongoing sin. And as we're here to talk about today, this very difficult con uh, conversation and subject, racism is an outworking of all four of those statements. Yeah. Uh, the reason why the three of us gather together is because we're Christians. Yes. And uh, we believe together as a church, but together, the three of us, that there's only one person who has the power to root out sin, forgive sin, and restore us with God. It's Jesus. And I'm going to sound churchy and quote John 3.16, but it's needed. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in Jesus does not die, but has eternal life. Uh, God the Father did not send a son of the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That's why Jesus said the very, actually, offensive words, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me because he's the only one who has the ability to deal with the issues. 
Uh, we who rally around Jesus and have actually met him, to use the old phrase from Jesus, we who have been born again, uh, make up the church. And the church in the now and not yet is supposed to be a foretaste of what's coming in the new heavens and new earth. And I just want to read these passages of scripture again as we're setting the table. Galatians 3.28, uh, 3, there's neither Jew, non-Jew, slave, free, male, female, we're all one in Christ. What's critical that we hear, um, and we've talked about this and I've talked about this uh, in, in many sermons, is the, dis the distinguishing marks of different people in this are not removed. This just means we all have access now to God the Father through Christ. Uh, one of the most amazing verses for us to either hear for the first time, if you don't know the Bible or if you've heard it before, is when Paul was facing down um, racial hatred in the original church between Jews and non-Jews. He said this in Ephesians 4.14, for Jesus himself is our peace, not with God, but with each other, who has moved two groups to one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Mm. And then, of course, the ending of the book reads like this in Revelation 7, 9. There I looked, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Yeah. So all three of us would go, yep, yes. amen. Amen and amen. Everything that we believe. And yet we're sitting here hmm. in the now, waiting for the not yet, and though the three of us believe this, we've given our lives to this, we believe that the church is the hope of the world and Jesus is the only answer. It's a hard thing to work out. Mm -hmm. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna begin a conversation um, that's not gonna solve everything at all, right. but we're gonna begin a conversation um, to help our church hopefully to think in new ways, in biblical ways, and not just say, wow, wasn't that great? We had that conversation. Now we're all moving on. Yeah. Mm. This, this for me is a long-term conversation. So I, I'm going to start with this. How do we let biblical lament take place? I was saying we're Canadians. Mm -hmm. And uh, Canadians aren't, by culture, the most uh, expressive. We're going to rip our clothes. But what we're seeing is from the gut screaming lament. Yeah. And as I read the scriptures, I mean, I've preached seven weeks through Lamentations. Right. Um, lament's supposed to go up and then sideways, biblically. Scream at God and then scream out. I've seen a lot of out, not a lot of up. But let's just talk about it. How, how do we as a church be okay with lament? Cheryl, talk to us. This, this question was so important for me to take some time intentionally because I feel like there's a real tension here in yeah. understanding the current lament. Right, yeah, yeah that's great. Um, yeah. And so w one of the ways that we can let biblical lament, and I'm gonna add, take place well right. here, is to steward this moment properly. And, and, and I've, I've unpacked it in four ways. So the first thing that's most important is A, to understand the very purpose of our lament, the why. Right. You know, and when we talk about lament, we're talking about our great passionate sorrow, right? right? Um, the verse that I have clung to over these past few days that really would set the tone is Jeremiah 31, 15. Mm. And it says, thus saith the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Mm -hmm. I identify with this as a black woman. The, com the black community identifies with this because we are literally watching 
uh, our people, our community, our brothers, our sisters, our, our family members, our tribe of people. Your children. Our children becoming no more. Right. Just, just killed at an alarming rate, uh, systematically killed. Uh, we're seeing racist, uh, racism and racist systems historically in our lives devaluing us, mm -hmm. uh, making us feel less than, removing our voice, um, causing us to be marginalized, um, putting us in a place of disparity. And so the systematic oppression over the entire history of our existence is causing this current lament. And it has literally been the straw that broke the camel's back exactly. with yeah. George Floyd. And so right. here we are. And now the, the lament comes because all of this is seemingly happening, and I say seemingly, to the blind eyes and the silence of our non-black brothers and sisters. Right. And so we cry out. And right. so here's the next step that helps us to move through lamenting properly, and that's to empathize. Galatians 6.2.3 says that we share each other's burdens. Uh, and in this way, we obey the law of Christ. If you, and I love the B part, if you think you are too important to help someone in crisis, you're only fooling yourself. Right. You're not that important. <laughs> and you know, the Bible says that Jesus was a man acquainted with grief. What does it mean to be acquainted with mm -hmm. grief? It's, it's to stand in the place of, to, I, to empathize, to put yourself in that moment. So a, a good lesson for, or teachable moment is ask yourself, to help give context. Right. If this was my son, if that was my aunt, if that was me, my father, how would I feel in that moment? It might help to bring about the right uh, framework for you. Right. Third, as we, as we come down, if once you become empathetic, you should be prompted to come alongside. Right. You've got to come alongside. Romans 12, 15 teaches that. You rejoice with those who rejoice yeah. and you mourn yeah. with those who mourn. You're not standing in a distance just saying, oh, poor them. You come alongside and you comfort, encourage, and help. Uh, and lastly, this is the most important. Once you understand my grief and you get, get the, the historicity of it, right. once you empathize, once you come alongside, just do me a favor do those that are mourning a favor. Don't put a timeline on our grief. Talk about that more. Very important. The worst thing you could say to anyone grieving, not just about this moment in life, is hasn't it been? Right. Hasn't it been five years since the divorce? Hasn't it been 10 years since Harry died? Hasn't it been uh, three weeks since George Floyd? Right. Ha aren't we in 2020? Hasn't it been 40 years since, you know, and, and I think that it's important that people not do those things. Yeah. And we are seeing, we are seeing the, 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 the negative effects of a timeline. Can I say that? That a people, we're looking at the states, people who are frustrated with just quarantining, sir, yeah. have decided amongst themselves that COVID is over. Mm -hmm. You, you cannot place your own timelines on what is happening. Right. You need to understand the moment. The, the Bible says the sons of Issachar were wise because yeah, they discerned and understand the seasons and times they were in. It's good. So we need to just give space and breath for people to grieve. And grieve loud. And grieve loud. Yeah. Because how I grieve is different than how you grieve and you can't dictate the way I need to process this. It's yeah. great, great. Um, one of the questions we were wrestling with and talking together was how does lament move to not just hope as a word, yeah. biblical hope, Christian, like we're Christians. Talk to us about Chris moving from lament to this hope moment. I want to piggyback on a little bit of what Cheryl said. There, there's, there needs to be an understanding of 
the lament of a demographic of people. Mm -hmm. For centuries, a demographic of people have been lamenting always. Yeah. Right. From slavery to Jim Crow to civil rights to affirmative action in the war on drugs to dealing with um, integrated schools to having to leave different countries of origin to hopefully start a, a better life for their children only to be marginalized when they arrive. All of these things have caused lament. There have been people, literally and figuratively speaking, in the wilderness crying out. But there's been hope in the midst of those. Mm. It was the, the Negro spirituals during the days of slavery and Jim Crow. It was the song of We Shall Overcome right. in the, the Civil Rights Movement. And it's Kendrick Lamar's We Gonna Be All Right in 2015. In the midst of these lament, hope still has the ability to arise and come and show creativity and show unity and to show that there's not going to be this that can hold anybody down. There's still going to be something. Biblical lament moves towards hope when we say we are not going to turn and only use this for anger. We are going to channel this anger for good. We are going mm. to channel this anger towards social change, both personally and systematically. We are going to look at what's going on in our world, and we are going to realize that we as Christians, we are the hope of the world. Right. We could put that on politicians. We can put that on advocates. But those people in those systems have for centuries yeah. let people down. Right. Yeah. The only one that has been constant on her best day is the church, on her best day. Yeah. Right. We are the hope of the world. We carry the mantle and the, the anointing, if you will, to yeah. be able to do that sort of thing, to be able to speak to strongholds, to be able to pray these things down, and then to be able to show that there is a better way, and that better way, okay. his name is Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Come on. And, and, that's, and so we move from lament and you said it perfectly. We go from up and we've, we've shouted at God and we've, we've shared our grief with him. And then we, we mourn in action. Right. We don't just mourn silence, but we mourn in action steps. We mourn through getting ourselves in, involved with, with the plight of the broken, with the plight of the hurt. We get ourselves involved through how we educate and how we, we learn about what's going on. Because there's a lot of people who are right now just trying to help and posting things because sure. they're trying to just, to, I need to say something. But it, it, it means staying in that and not getting fatigued when it becomes Come three on. weeks from now or four months from now. But we realize that the plight of the broken is for us until our dying breath. Right. And Cheryl, when we were talking the other day, you were talking about uh, lament to hope. I think you used the example of um, how David dealt with it. And yeah. share this because this is such a, a powerful biblical insight. Yeah, I, you know, hope is a cho cho choice yeah. and we, we see that in the life of David. You know, in 2 Samuel 12, we come on the scene and, and, and we're seeing deep, passionate sorrow from David. He's received the prophetic word from Nathan. His son is going to die because right. of the actions of his sins. And he's doing exactly what we're seeing, the ripping of the clothes, mm -hmm. the sackcloth, the ashes, yeah. the wailing in the street, public spectacle. Yeah. Hello, yeah, yeah. in the right, streets. Right. Um, as the king. As the king. Right. Um, and so receives the word that all of it is to naught, and he has a moment of choice there. Right. And that's where we are. We're in this crossroads of this mourning moment. Which way do we go? David could have chose fear, anger, rage. Um, he could have been despondent, left God, left his faith. But he chose, as the Bible said, to wash his face, 
to eat because he had been fasting, no food, and to go into the house of God and to worship. Right. And so David teaches us that the why of this moment is that we, we, we move to hope because God is still good. Right, and he's sovereign. And he's sovereign. Right. He's in the midst of our situation. And even for those at Sanctus, God is with us. He is in the midst. And so we can shift to hope because hope is a choice. So we will choose. As for me and my house. Right, that's good. We will choose hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's too just to add to that, if David had chosen the other way, we would have been like, yeah, that makes sense because it's a human emotion. Like think about what that means for him to say, I am going to go right. in the opposite direction. That's counter, counter intuitive. Yeah, and it made him the greatest king that ever yeah. lived. Yeah, sure. That's huge. That choice, yeah. Incredible. Um, as we have seen uh, public sadness, outrage, anger, um, I've been watching we who are Christians Mm-hmm. And I was sharing with both of you, um, I'm not in everyone's life, so I don't know what they've done personally, but I've seen very little prayer publicly. Do you still think prayer changes the world? I, if, if, if it doesn't, then what are we doing? <laughs> okay. Like, like, this is great, but if we don't believe that prayer is actually effective, then what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to pray for our meal. It's nothing to pray for our kids and we send them off to their first day of school. Yeah. But this is when prayer is actually supposed to be at its most powerful. Right. Right? These, these laments, these, like when we use the word lament, it's a prayer. Sure. We, we don't like it because it's uncomfortable because it comes with sorrow. And we have sang, we have, we've cleansed prayer to the point where it's supposed to be dignified and perfect. Right. No. But the deepest prayers are the ones where we can't get the words out because yeah. they're in the midst of sobs, yeah. the groaning. Yeah. Right. Which God understands. He right? understands yeah. way more than people actually realize. Yeah. And we have changed prayer to be very systematic mm-hmm. as opposed to allowing your heart to really bleed out before the Lord and cleanse itself yeah. through the presence of yeah. God. And prayer moves Prayer moves the heart of God and prayer moves the heart of people who are, who are, who are praying. And I, I, I know that Cheryl has way better words about this than I do. So I, like, I'm talking, I'm going, like, I can say stuff. So yes, Cheryl's, Cheryl's got this, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. So yes and amen, yes and amen. I'm, I'm a Bible teacher, I'm a Bible girl, so you're gonna get all scripture get from it, me. Get it, girl. All scripture all day. Um, you know, James 5, 16 says that the prayer of a righteous person mm. is both Power. powerful and, and effective. effective. Yes. If you wanna affect change, what sets us apart from the protests, all good, all good, the, uh, the, the discourse, the speaking up, the speaking out, sharing perspectives is that we as a people understand where true power lies. Yes. And so we move beyond words at some point, not an exchange up, but at some point we move beyond and we cry out to the change maker, right. Amen. the one who can change the world. And then this part is really big that I need people to understand. Prayer changes the world, why, how? Because prayer changes us. Amen. Prayer changes the individual person and that individual transformation now affects society and brings change. I love what St. Francis said, sanctify yourself and you will sanctify Sanctify society. It's in out. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just uh, such a helpful moment for us to remember this because I I like, Chris, when you were saying everyone wants to do something and they feel they don't know what to do so they're posting which is fine, yeah. but actually walk into God's throne room and ask him to act. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Because that, Don't do one without the other. Do yeah. both. Do and both. In fact, in, fact, in fact, one should then inspire the other. Like one should like, when there's one thing to just kind of say something because 
it's just emotional. It's another thing to actually sit down and think and ponder and pray and meditate. That's it. And then say like out of the presence of God, like some of the, some of the best creatives, some of the, the creative moments, the best sermons aren't just because I'm a great orator. It's because yeah. we've sat in the presence of God. He's given us a word. We've wrestled with it in prayer. And then when it delivers, it's like it's a part of our own yeah. body as opposed to something That's that it. we just simply say. Yeah, That's it. Awesome. Yeah. So in the middle of all this, because again, our unity here is we are all Christians. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the gospel of Jesus, his life, yeah. his death, and his resurrection, and, and what does this say to this moment? Hmm. One of the things that has been in my mind and in my heart as we've been kind of walking through the last two and a half weeks, yeah. and for some of us, our entire lives. Our entire, what to say, yeah. Right? Um, but two and a half weeks that the world has kind of paid attention in a different way than yeah. they ever have before, um, is uh, the four Gospels. And Jesus put, brings around him um, 12 specific men. Now, they're, they're not homogenized. They're not the same person. That'd be a very boring story, wouldn't it? If it's all <laughs> the same person. Different backgrounds. You have young, old, you have um, uneducated, educated, you have, um, you have oppressors. Yeah, Matthew. And you have people who, he ha who they have oppressed. All of them yeah. are, are together for three years traveling with this rabbi. Mm -hmm. And he sends them out, this diverse group of people to go into the world and to speak about this kingdom of God that could be theirs, to go and serve and learn and do stuff with people. Diversity is built into the mandate of the kingdom. Right. Mm. It's not something that's a buzzword. And it's not a media word that the, that, the, that the Christian media has created, you know, after 1987. No, this is something that is a mandate yeah. for us. So good. And when we as the church stand shoulder to shoulder mm -hmm. under the mandate of what the gospel means and what yeah. the gospel is, it is powerful. Yeah, so good. We stand shoulder to shoulder. I, the, the example I would use is um, um, when they were crossing the British Salem, it was, there was black, there was white, there was Latino. But they knew that Martin Luther King's voice was the voice that needed to be heard a little bit louder than the others. And the rest of them supported. When we are in the gospel, we realize that we all lay down our rights. Right. It's not that only black people can speak to this issue. It's not only white people can or can't. It's we recognize that we as gospel-believing, kingdom-mandated people, we realize that we have a... It's a mandate for us to speak to injustice. Yeah. It's not just for some of us. Some of us don't get off the gate. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a, your problem and I'll just stand here and I'll just lift my hand towards you and pray. Yeah. No, all of us yeah. need to. All of us need to be about the poor. All of us need to be about the broken. When we see injustice, yeah. all of us need to say something. And there's a demographic of people, and it's understandable that they have been disappointed for so long my, my black friends have been disappointed for so long because they felt like I was the only one saying anything and now suddenly everybody else is saying, right. and you need to know, like, listen, if we're believers, we yeah. realize that we're sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, and yeah. we're in this together. The only oh way God. these strongholds fall mm -hmm. is if every single person says, as a kingdom person, yeah. this can no longer stand. That. John, is the power of the gospel, that it reminds us that we no longer have our own rights. We, uh, we, are, we pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ, right. who died and rose again for the sins of mankind. That is who our marching orders come from. Yeah. That is the gospel mandate, my friend.
That's good. Can I add yeah, one point? Yeah, please, please. Um, I'm going to start by saying, check the fine print. What did you sign up for? Yeah, that's when good. you took on, when you accepted Christ into your heart and took on this life of Christianity and walked into covenant, check the fine print. The fine print of the gospel is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of reconciliation. Yes, it is. You got to know that. It, it, and that means we, we move across dividing lines, gender, race, ethnicity, and, and what bridge the bridge, there's a name to that bridge, it's love. It's the love of Jesus Christ that reconciles one to the other. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, fine print, is also a gospel of equality, right? The death and burial and resurrection now causes an equal playing field. Right. We are all yeah. adopted, all fallen short of grace, sons and daughters of God crying out, Abba, Father. Uh, the gospel is also a gospel of advocacy. We look at Jesus Christ, the the greatest, most radical social justice advocate of them all. Speaking up, uh, you know, for the marginalized and for the oppressed, despite what it may look like, despite what we may lose, uh, comfort, moving out of our comfort zones to do all of these things. And the last one, the gospel of Jesus, and I think we miss this, that's why I call it the, the fine print. Right. It's that it is a gospel of social justice. And that's an even stronger stance. It's, it's speaking truth to power. Right. It's righting wrongs. It's dismantling corrupt yes, it systems. Uh, you know, uh, I, it's, it's the flipping of the tables. Right, in the temple. In the temple. And, and knowing which tables to flip at which time. Yeah. Right. Because that's important. Yeah, too. God help yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's good. And, and, and one of the things that we were talking about earlier, which is so good, is once we all recognize our sinfulness and God's mercy and love towards us, yeah. how can you not be profoundly different? Yeah. But yet we struggle. Because we are still sinful, yeah. The Jesus and the lawyer conversation tells us that. Yeah. Love the Lord your God, all your mind, all your whole, so your whole being. Love, love your, your neighbor, neighbor as yourself. Wait a minute. And, yeah. What's, we're looking for the out. Who's my neighbor? Yeah, and he's right. like, everyone's your neighbor. Which means really, who's worthy of my love? The right. answer is everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Um, how do we, this is, uh, this is so, this next question, um, so important. Because so many people from so many perspectives, all trying to get this, well, many are trying to get this right. Yeah. Uh, I've had so many people in our church ask me this question in the last 10 days from all sorts of backgrounds. How, does, how do we make sure that righteous anger and the call for justice does not turn into sinful anger? Mm. And so complicated because thank God in the Bible, he says we're allowed to be angry. Yes. Thank God for lamentations. Thank God for the lament psalms so we can be human. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's a, that's a tough question because a lot of people would have a different perspective. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, in a, in a really roundabout way, you know, the Bible says, by your fruit you shall know them. So you, you can almost know the effectiveness of something, right. the, 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 the reach of something by its fruit, the power of something by its fruit. You know, sinful, carnal anger, the fruit of that is hatred and destruction. It destroys lives and relationships and, and communities and reputations. It's right. the hatred of man. It's, it's, it's battling with the wrong enemy. Right. That's what it is. Mm. And you know, righteous anger is the dismantling of the demonic yeah. agendas that are coming against the body of Christ and, and the, the word of God, right. the things that we stand yeah. for. And so we, we need to do, redirect 
right. our anger towards the works of the enemy. And I call it being a holy disruptor. Right. Righteous, righteous anger is good. Be a holy disruptor. Push for the things of God and push back the things of the enemy. Fear, division, racism, segregation, that's, that's demonic stuff. But you're not my enemy, you're not my yeah. enemy. That's, they, that's the difference. Even when Paul says, you know, our battle's not against flesh and blood, blood yeah. it's such a striking statement when he pushes us back yeah. to something deeper. Chris, we want to speak like, to that? And you know, there's gonna be some people who, who have been watching the news for 10 days and say, well, the rioting, is that, that's, that's the sin. Oh, please right? speak to that, yes. Right? People will be like, well, well the, the, the protesting is the sin. If they, you know, if they, if they and you know, we, we don't like, because we wanna <laughs> sanctify it, we don't wanna say the word, you know, black people, or whatever. if they really wanna change, they shouldn't, they shouldn't resist. They shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that. They should just wait, they've had their turn. They, look at what they get to do now. And they're gonna look at the news and say, well, you've just described the riots. And I, I, I look and I say, and you said it earlier when we were, before we were, were filming, if someone's pushing you, stop pushing me, stop pushing me, stop pushing me, stop pushing me. Naturally, we are a fight or flight people mm. because we have dignity. Yeah. We have dignity and for a long time, Cheryl, you know this, there, for a long time there have been people who have felt their dignity stripped Gone, yeah. Completely ripped yeah. away from them. And so their only reaction is to protest. Their only reaction is to destroy. Can, we could talk about the philosophies of the hows and the ways and the why Target, not Walmart. We can talk about that for until... On, that's such an important moment, and I want you to camp there for just 30 seconds because, because my raising my children or my getting a group, I, I work with hundreds of youth, and saying, you know, you are kings and queens, your daughters are the most high God, you have potential and purpose, and, and me being pro-black in that moment does not make me racist. It doesn't. It means that I am trying to find a way where dignity has been stripped outside of our, my, our, our, that's so good. our living environment we are intentionally pouring back in dignity. Yeah. So that does not, one does not cancel out the other. Mm. I, am, I am pouring into my people mm. to lift them up in a time where they feel very downtrodden. And so it's so important to explain the context of this riot, because like you said, uh, out you're hurting me, out you're hurting yeah. me, out you're hurting me, out. And now what you're seeing is just like, ah! yeah, do you hear us now? I saw uh, a, a rooftop, it was it's carved out, I don't know how they got up there. And it says, can you hear us now? Right. Yeah. And so to, to that end, you know, like I have, I have an 11 year old and I have an eight year old. My, my eight year old, he's, he's more so into Fortnite and video games. He's not really thinking about this sort of stuff. But my 11 year old, she said the other day, I have family who's black. I'm half black. I have to say something. She's 11 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting with her on, my, on our couch and I'm just, blown away, the same kid who doesn't clean her room and lets go be, Becoming the social just so this, justice, this social advocate. justice advocate. And I'm like, where are you? And can you clean your room, please? <laughs> right? But she's realizing that, there's, that she has dignity, that she has purpose, she, that she has a story that's worth being told. And so in light of that, oh there goodness. are going to be some who are going to say, well, they did this. And it's like, you know, but you're also, but when you do that, you're, when you write that on social media, you're rioting too. You're flipping a table yeah. the so wrong way. So let me ask a question, because I know a lot of people are just, this is not even in the questions, but I think it matters. You're both Christian leaders. Yes. You love Jesus, you love the local church. I know you both actually love this church. Absolutely. Talk to me about, again, righteous anger to anger. How, what is the spiritual discipline that someone needs to take before they post? 
I would I would easily Good. say th- I would easily say this right away. Would you say that to somebody of a different ethnicity to their face? Because mm. more often than not, it's so easy to to type something. Um, the gaslighting. Well, mm. blacks can be racist. Mm. Well, there's a lot of good police, and there are. You know, if if they didn't resist, if they didn't do this, all all these sort of things, and more often than not, these are same people. And I and I, I'm, we've been able to be in different circles and be yeah. able to like the blessing and the privilege to be able to speak in different environments and share mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. These are the same people who are going to shake your hand and glad hand you, and then you read, and then you're reading them online. You're like. I didn't know that was in you the yeah. entire time. Mm. But for the whole you said, community. You yeah. said it right there. I got, I just, you know, Holy Spirit, you said it right there. Your daughter posting and you're like, could you clean the room, please? Yeah. Some people are posting and they're not cleaning their room. Yes, please and go. So, and so <laughs> yeah, the posting and yeah. not cleaning your room is you are saying what you need to say, but you need to I, I ask yourself, what's in my room? Am I angry? Yeah. yeah, what's the bias? Do I want to yeah. bring this, do I want to bring uh, shame upon this person for this? There's, there's ways to do this. So it, it's all intention. Right. Intention is the base of it. Like, what is the intent? Are you bringing truth to the table? I have said posts that are very hard truths, but my, my intention is all love. And you can clearly see when someone is like, I need to tell you this truth so that we can be better. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you feel like less than because you don't know this truth. What's wrong with you? You don't know this truth? What's wrong with you? Have right. you read the stat? Haven't you seen this? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so while you're posting, check your room. Yeah, and I think you'd say like too, you, you were saying you'd wish you wanted to just walk into a bunch of rooms, even in there's a some, phones. Yeah, take I some phones. Put, I, there's some people I wanna put on timeout. Yeah. The mom yeah. comes yeah. out in me. No, yeah. no, it's good. I just wanna be like, and hey. we're done. Yeah. I'm gonna go take read your a book, phone just for a minute. Go outside, go for a walk, yeah. Um, but because there, there is, you know, it, and, and all of it, don't get me wrong, it is, it is understandable. Our pain, our frustration, our anger is understandable. And right now, what's interesting, we've, we've spoken about this. Yeah. Let's not just make this anger talk a black thing. There are, no. there are non-blacks, let's be more specific, specific. There are whites that are more angry than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, calm down. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And they're like, we're gonna burn. I'm like, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and so it's, it's what is the intent of the heart? Right. What is the motivation? What is the purpose? Yeah. Are we building up, as yeah. the Bible says, as opposed to tearing, tearing down? down? And then on top of that, you, I, I have friends of mine who will message me and say, my family member said this. I can't believe it. What should I say? My, you know, one, like, no one has ever had their minds changed from a Facebook post or from an Instagram post or from a Twitter. Like, no one has, right? Um, most people, they, they post things up there because a lot of times they want to help or they want to troll. I would say to those people who have family members who are disappointing them or friends who are disappointing them, find your tribe of people who are for the right things and build with them and as opposed, and as opposed to fighting with the people who are, who are always against. Yeah. It is exhausting. But there's probably, and you might not know this, there are more people who are for justice than you realize. Right. Yeah. And it's better, in my, in my estimation, it's better to know who's not so you can find out who's for and rally with them because then the crowd becomes, becomes bigger and bigger and the voice of change becomes louder and louder and the hope becomes brighter and brighter. So good. Good. So um, this is a moment in time and this is a conversation um, uh, that actually will never go away <laughs> until Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sitting with a good friend of mine who just suddenly almost came to the realization in the middle of a conversation with me. 
about that. And I said, yeah, this is going to be something the church will always have to watch, fight, and examine itself. Mm-hmm. But how do we turn this moment and righteous anger, what do we do inside of Sanctus Church? And what do we do beyond Sanctus Church? Like just what are some, what are some basic beginning suggestions that we can talk about? Because like, like you've both said, like I've seen and experienced myself, most Christians want to do something. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. They don't know what. Yeah. yeah. And so we just need some very simple, practical sure. steps. Some of them we can do today. Some of them are going to take a long time. Yeah. For sure. And we got to remember that, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So thoughts. Uh, I'll, I'll, Go. I, okay. So this is, because it's so important, I always believe in grounding my answers in Scripture. Right. Okay. Please. Yes. You, uh, say that, you say that like as if I don't. Like, no, I, no, 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 no. I believe in grounding my answers. When it's heavy, I'm like... If, if you don't like my opinion, it's go to the, the word of God. Go to the word. So argue with that. Um, Proverbs 31, verses 8 to 9. Yeah. Bring about just righteousness. Open your mouth for those who cannot speak for themselves. Jeremiah 22, 3. Thus saith the Lord, bring about justice and righteousness. There it is again. Yeah. <laughs> Rescue the disadvantaged. And let, this is it here, right here. This is the word for sanctus. And do not tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. So what does it look like for us as a family? Uh, a couple of things. Number one, I want to just say again, pray. I have to say that again. Right. But I have to, I want to remind people that prayer is not an, an excuse for inaction. Correct. It's only one action. Prayer and action go together. Right. As you pray and as you, as you lean in, you're prompted to good works. Right. As the Bible says. Yeah. And so as you lean into prayer too, you begin to, uh, your heart begins to break for what breaks God's heart. Right. <laughs> and you see racism for what it really is and how God sees it. So you're just, you're leaning in and you're getting his lens. God hates racism. Right. It is, it is an evil sin that God hates. We need to keep that at the top of Demonically our mind. Demonically inspired. Demonically inspired. I almost want to say that again. Yeah. God Do hates it. racism. Yeah. Can we all? Yeah. And it is, an, it is an evil, demonic agenda. It's a sin in yeah. God's eyes. Correct. Good. And so with that, we have to develop here at Sanctus and beyond. It's, it's just a wider question. A culture of intolerance to mm. supremacist thinking. Right. I'm above, you're less than. Yeah, right. uh, the, the, the prejudice, the racism, all of that, we need to recalibrate and rethink and switch that. I would love to ask all non-black family members of mine to do personal inventory in That's this good. moment and, and to check their own biases. Right. Uh, I've had great conversations with people that it wasn't until they sat with themselves or, and kind of took stock and looked over their life, they were like, oh, oh my. My gosh, didn't even know. I didn't even know I'm, I'm, I'm part of this equation. Right. Um, this, this one is big for me. You know, we're, we're so upset. We talk about this, we talked about this cancel culture, hypersensitivity and people, you know, political correctness to, to the 10th degree and right. everyone's being canceled and canceled and canceled. Well, the church is guilty. We have a bit of a cancel culture here. Right. And this is what the cancel culture is here, not just in Sanctus, but in the kingdom of God. We have, we have misled ourselves to believe that Christianity somehow completely cancels out my culture. Sure. 
that as I come into Christ, I lay my culture down. Not true. Christianity is enhanced by my culture. All nations, all tribes, the beautiful expressions of God, yeah. what we bring to the table, how we worship and pray, our own language, our tongue, all of it is this beautiful tapestry that God loves. Good. So instead of, instead of trying to homogenize or push down, we should be embracing and celebrating the culture and the diversity in our church, almost leaning in the other way. Right. Um, and that brings me to this last point, which means that we should then, how do we embrace culture? How do we lean in? How do we celebrate it? We become more intentional in everything we do. Right. We become more intentional in reflecting the fullness of the kingdom of God, in leadership, in staff positions, in key areas, uh, amplifying those diverse voices in the church, giving them space at the table. Yeah. Right. Chris? Yeah. I, I, I would, one, agree with everything Cheryl said. And, and I, Chris, you're the best I love you. <laughs> but, but I think it's important to also to, to say this too, right? In, in light of everything Cheryl said and everything I agree with, we're two different people from two different walks of life. We happen to share similar experiences. We talked about that earlier, but we're different. And I think what ends up happening with a lot of people is they automatically rope every black person into the same understanding and we become a monolith. So every black person laments the same. Right. Every black person enjoys this, that, and the other. One of, one of the craziest parts in the last 12 days, I keep on coming back to it, one of them, of many, is that Christian Cooper in New York City was an avid bird watcher, a 57-year-old Harvard graduate yeah. bird watcher. Yeah. Stereotypically, that's not a black thing, but that's the beauty of the, of the black experience. We can do anything. Yeah. We can be anything. That's what we talk about speaking into those kids. Yeah. You can be anything. Yeah. You don't have to be this, that, yeah. or the other. There are other. no limits. There are no limits to Although limitations are. have been placed on right. us. And, and, and the beauty is yeah. the ones who are able to say, like, I'm not going to let that limitation. There's a, an idea of you say, with a cancer culture, one of the things I've seen online is, well, there's a victim culture among black people. Mm. It's not true. Black people, listen, black people have survived, like I said, segregation, Slavery, Jim Crow, civil, like, and we're still here creating, writing, speaking, building, so good. doing. So good. And so my, my suggestion is how do we move on from here as, a, as, as, as Sanctus Church and the church? You get to know these stories because it's not just one. Cheryl's story is one of millions of black women. Millions who have carried the burden, Yeah. who have carried the burden for men and for children. She represents mothers and grandmothers and sisters and aunts. It is not just her story. Yeah. It is multiple stories. Yeah. I represent not just one black man, but I represent <clears throat> so many yeah. who have so many diverse stories. Some that have been easy and many that have been difficult, but we're here. Learn those stories. Mm -hmm. As one person said, check your Googles, because they're out there. And don't just limit it to, this is my one friend. Yeah. Find many. Right. Learn lots. Read lots. Get involved. Not just right now. It's, it's, right. It is so Say romantic. this, because we've talked about this so many it times. Is, it is, I'll use the word, because I will use it. It's sexy right now. It is romanticized right now to be involved. Right. You know when it really matters? When it's not on the news. Yeah, when the cycle changes. When the cycle yeah. changes and the editorials and the opinions have changed. Yeah. 
and you're and you have somebody come up to you and they say, "This happened to me in a store." Yeah. This happened to me when I was driving. This happened to me when I was applying for a job. It's real change. Yeah. It's real change. It's real change when you care then. And it's and it's actually understanding <clears throat> and caring no, sorry. It's for awesome. our pain. Right. Yeah. Right. You can't, you know, how can, it is the Bible says it is impossible <sighs> to say you love God. If you do not. Who you do not see. Yeah. And you don't love me. You don't care about my pain you don't want to get to know me and you know the truth is you and I are both we've showed up in the room in the house of God but the reality is is what it took for me to get in that same room is so much there is so much pain and obstacles and hardship I I can tell you that every minority that has come to Sanctus has come with a heart to serve love worship and be in reconciliation and in harmony. That's why we're here. Right. We chose it intentionally. Yeah, you, yeah, right. We wanted to be here because we saw an opportunity to reflect the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so it doesn't take one of us, it takes all of us. And it's interesting, I was, uh, the sermon I was supposed to preach this week was out of John yeah. on where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And um, I was, you and I were sharing and I said, wow, um, you can't even hear the story unless you're at the table. Yeah. Like I can't even, how would I even know your story unless I'm in relationship right. with you to hear the story? Because, and, and to, to that end, I'm not a stat. Right. I'm not a percentage. Yeah. I'm a person. Yeah. I'm a husband. Yeah. I'm a father. You're a child of God. I'm a child of God. God. Yeah. Filled with purpose, filled with destiny, right? And, and to be, and to be, and so when I'm told that I'm a stat on black on black crime, that breaks my heart because you've removed my dignity from me. Mm -hmm. When I'm told, we wouldn't do that to someone's testimony. If somebody got up during baptism and said, this is what God brought me through, you wouldn't say, well, that happened to everybody else and your story is not that important. And you know, have you really thought about, we wouldn't do that. Yeah. We've come out of, of the Me Too culture where men said to women forever, that didn't happen, boys will be boys, just get over it. Get me a, and it took a number of women to say no. And now the healthy man stops and goes, when have I ever done something that could be seen as inappropriate or hurtful or, or destructive to females and to the female gender? Because we realized that we were taking away value from people. Yeah, the, I, and I have to say, Jesus is the one that leaves the 99 for the one. And do you think those sheeps cried out, hey, all sheep's lives matter? No, right. While the sheep is right. about to fall to its death? Right. Think it, about me, you know, think about it, me. Yeah. You know, and, and I just want to say, since we're here, this sort of like washing of like, oh, it, it's all lives matter. It's, it's like coming to my funeral and I'm grieving the loss of my son. And you walk in, go right to the front and interrupt that funeral and demand that I mourn for someone else that's, that's a stranger. It's amazing, yeah. It's so and helpful. so, yes, your life matters, but we're in crisis right now. Right now. Mm -hmm. And we have been felt and made to, to believe and understand that our lives don't. So we are shouting to ourselves first yeah. and then to others. Dignity, our lives matter. Yeah. So thankful. Can we just take a moment yeah. uh, to pray? Um, uh, and, and I had asked us to pray in three directions. Uh, Chris, because you're connected to us, um, but beyond us. 
uh, I would love you, to, if you can, to pray for the church in Canada. Um, like we all know, we're sitting in the most multicultural city on earth, right here. And we need the church to be, as you said, at her best. Um, and sure, I'd love you to pray for our church. And then I'm just going to end by us praying the Lord's Prayer because it covers all the things. And um, on behalf of our church, thank you for this. Actually, I, uh, on behalf of Chris and I, may I, we want to thank you because you reached out to us. Um, I have been a Christian for many years. I have never, ever, and I've gone to large churches. I have been an ordained minister, frontline, spotlight, the whole nine, working to the point of exhaustion. I've never had a pastor pick up a phone and say, are you okay? What can I do for you? Pastors coming to my house saying, we're checking in, bring your family, we wanna pray. It, I, the care, you care. It's, it's like on a level, you can't even sleep at night. And I'm saying this, you would never say this. You cannot sleep over this. You are weeping. Your heart is breaking. And you called us here because it matters to you that a segment of your family is not bleeding out. Yeah. So thank you. Privilege. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. So Chris, in our emotion, yeah. <laughs> uh, pray. We, we, we recognize uh, the moment that we're in, Lord. Yeah. We recognize the moment that we're in and we, we, we've talked and we've paused and we've reflected on our own and we've paused and reflected and talked together as, as, as friends, as families representing your kingdom. Mm. And collectively, as, as, as people here, as many in our nation, we, our hearts grieve. Our hearts grieve um, the realization for many that this is not an, an these, this moment is not an isolated moment. Right. But this is a moment that has been a part of our history. And it's not just an American problem, it's a problem everywhere. Because where evil is, problems arise. Father, we think of our Aboriginal community yeah. and the pain that they are having to re relive as yeah. they watch these things happen right yeah. now. Yeah. And they're wondering, where, where's the voice for me? We think of our Sikh community. We think of, yes. uh, we think of the, the, the Asian community yes. who has yes. been, over the last three months, just thrown under the bus. Yeah. With, with words and, and hateful actions yeah. due to a virus that's beyond anyone's control. We think of those who have just stood and have been oppressed. Yeah. We pray that you be the balm. Yeah. You be the balm in Gilead today, Lord Jesus. Mm. For those who have been hurt, who have constantly felt marginalized, constantly felt like their voice hasn't been heard, constantly felt like they've been mined for resources and, and not cared for as people. We yeah. pray that you would be a balm for them. Yeah. And God, we pray for, for your church. Mm -hmm. We pray for your church all over this nation, this beautiful nation of ours. God, we recognize that your church is filled with humans, which means that there is a large margin for error. Because <laughs> we're going to 
say too little or say too much. We have various people who are watching and waiting to see us stumble and fall or to get it just right. Father, I pray that your grace would be upon leaders, your grace would be upon attendees, that more than saying the right thing, God, that we as a church would do the right thing. That we would be about doing the right thing, that we would be able to read your scripture, sit in your presence and recognize that injustice to anyone offends you, and if it offends you, it should offend us, and that we would use whatever tools we have at our disposal to see those things eradicated. May we pray. May we be people of prayer, God. Yeah. May we also be people of action, and action looks different from city to town. Yeah. It looks different, but may we take action. May it start in our kitchens. Yeah. May it start in our kitchens. Yes. As we sit down for supper and lunches and breakfasts with our families, may we use those pulpits, those opportunities to, to build up and not tear down. Yeah. May we train our children and yes. their friends who we have influence over yes. to be people of reconciliation. Yeah. May we be the church. Yeah. May we be agents of hope, agents of joy, not discounting the pain not discounting or pushing away the, the lament, yeah. but using the pain and using the lament as a springboard to change. Yeah. Yeah. May we look back, may we look back on the history of this moment and may it be said of us that we didn't stay quietly, yeah. that we didn't sit quietly, that we didn't let the authorities or politicians speak and then we acted, but may we simply, may we finally as a church lead May we finally, as the church, lead to see change take place for your kingdom's sake. Amen. 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 Yeah. Father, I now lift up our church. Mm. I lift up Sanctus. And I thank you for the work that you have done in this great house. Father, you have called Sanctus um, to be a reflection of the kingdom of God on earth. You have called us to be our, your hands and feet extended. And Father, that looks like reconciliation. It looks like racial unity. It looks like harmony. It looks like peace. It looks like authentic love. Father, may we be that. May we walk in that wholeheartedly. I pray that we would reflect your heart. That is our prayer, yes. that we would step outside of ourselves and outside of our anger, outside of our indifference, outside of our misunderstandings, outside of the racism, the prejudice, the segregations, the separations. God, we just condemn all of it now. Let all of it be gone away. It is of the devil. It is not of you. Yeah. And Father, we pray God, that a spirit of reconciliation, a heart that would long to cross the divide, would overflow in Sanctus now. Yeah. Father, we're mindful of those that are wounded and hurting mm -hmm. and broken in this house. I pray for comfort. Yeah. I pray for healing. I pray that they would feel seen and heard and loved and accepted and know that they have a place carved out in this beautiful spot of the kingdom of God. Let them know that, they've, that they matter, that they have value, that they have worth. And Father, for the hearts that are indifferent, the hearts that don't understand, the hearts that don't want to understand, I pray a spirit of conviction. 
Holy Spirit, convict all our hearts. Anyone who is on the wrong side of this justice of the gospel, please, Lord, convict our hearts. Mm -hmm. Bring us to a place of repentance. We repent even now. Yes. And Father, we just decree and declare that this house will be made whole, that it will be strengthened because of this, that we will come out changed because of this. We choose unity. We choose to be uh, one. We choose to love through the storm, through this awkward and tough moment. We will not be separated. That is what the devil wants. So Father, we just yield now. Have thine own way. Mm -hmm. Your will be done, not ours. And bring us, oh God, to be one, one voice, one heart, one mind, one spirit, worshiping you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Yeah, so we uh, just end by just saying, our Father is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, down here as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Uh, Amen. I just want to thank um, both of you for being here and being so honest and helping lead our church in this moment and being so vulnerable, actually. Um, I want to thank all of you for uh, watching and listening. And uh, we'd invite you into conversation, into prayer. And actually, um, I just think, Chris, where you ended is so important because we've been given the growing gift of genuine diversity here at so many nations. I think we're probably around 50 already. One of the best things we probably can do before we have other conversations later is to sit with each other as believers, but to sit and hear stories. I, it's just one of the most significant things that leads to change. And I, um, I'm just so thankful for this moment. So thanks for joining us and... Um, God bless you today as you continue to try living for Christ in this very unique moment. Uh, We'll see you uh, next week. Thanks, everyone.